Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19 of the Brosane Pistons podcast where Alex and I overthink things. We're recording tonight on the 11th and checking in on the preseason. Uh, I guess it's sort of our preseason preseason check-in and we'll check in again in a couple of weeks right before the season starts. But we figured we have some thoughts based on how things have been shaping up in the first three games and since we last talked in the summer. Um, so Alex, have you had a chance to watch any of the games, or what, what, how are you feeling after the first, the, the last couple of weeks uh, of Pistons actually getting into the group of things? It's been interesting just trying to get back into the swing of things myself. Uh, the You know, you hear the sports journalists talk about the, uh, basically the wind stops on the, on the, on your sails in the summer, and there's just no NBA news for a while, and, uh, you know, I guess we just kind of got a, got a little bit of a break there. Uh, so, Watched, you know, I watched parts of of uh, most of the preseason games so far, and uh, you know, I, I I think I was feeling a little more optimistic, uh, you know, after the draft and after the all of our off season moves than I am now. But all, you know, only slightly, only by maybe a few few wins worth. Uh, I was thinking we might be a little bit above average before. Now I'm kind of feeling like, oh, geez, I mean, maybe we're just going to be pretty mediocre. And I'm being, frankly, I'm being influenced by some of the national press. Just, you know, everyone's just shaking the rust off of their NBA commentary and talking about a few teams here and there, and they tend not to talk about the Pistons. But the ones that have, uh, you know, we're not one of the interesting stories and we're not one of the feel-good stories. We're not one people are talking about. And uh, everyone's just kind of thinking, like, yeah, we're not going to be terrible, and that's about the best you can say. Yeah, and of course, I, I'm guessing a lot of those uh, national level analysts don't think too much about us, to, but to know that we weren't very good last year, and there's all else being equal, there's not a great reason to believe we'll be a lot better this year. They might know about the Reggie Jackson uh, signing, and so on, and so and so. But of course, we're really geeked about S, you know SVG and and his building the roster to a, a much better balance to match his team of the magic years. Um, and, you know, honestly, the one thing, the one bright spot that's probably brighter than anything we anticipated since last time is Stanley Johnson playing really well in the preseason. He played well in the summer league and you kind of don't want to read too much into that, but actually playing really well. I think he's, he's been shooting like, you know, around 50%, uh, seven for nine for threes across three games, just playing with a lot of confidence, just like seeing him. Like the first game, he actually was forced to play backup point guard, which was funny because so many people were injured. And it's definitely not his position, but just the poise that he had to like play okay there. And, and I don't know, he just looks like a, a real NBA solid player. And I'm starting to get hopeful that he's going to have an impact this year. I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I saw a bit of that one of the quarters where he was playing a lot of backup point guard, and like that definitely threw some uh, cold water on the. You know, there had been some word from, oh, uh, Stanley Johnson played a little point guard in practice, and he looked good. I mean, he looked bad as a point guard. He's not. He's not a point guard. He had his pocket picked a couple times by, you know, uh, the other team's like rookie backup point guard or something like that. But. But yeah, I mean, he was he was out there to use like the Bill Simmons language. He was he, he was out there doing Stanley Johnson things, uh, you know, uh, getting an outlet pass and getting up ahead of steam and getting to the basket and getting fouled. Um, it, it looked a lot like all the film that was available to prepare for the draft, 
which was most of what I've seen from him because I don't watch a lot of college basketball. And it was just a lot of like really good getting to the rim, very strong, can get a shot up, bounce off people and, and get a shot up. Um, but not a great finisher at the rim and, but getting fouled is good enough. So he, he really just, it's like, wow, uh, looks like an NBA player at, at uh, what is he, 19 years old? And, um, I will have to, I'll have to look up that exactly how old he is, but just lo- looks like a real NBA player. And that's a great sign. You know, just, like you said, you don't want to get your hopes up from the preseason, but I think, I think I mentioned on the la- last couple episodes that, um, Kevin Pelton of uh, ESPN, formerly Basketball Perspectives, had looked at, like, does preseason really matter? And he found that for, for rookies, it, it really is a little bit predictive of whether you're going to be good. Um, mostly it's just, like, if you're a rookie and you totally blow in the preseason, it, that's a really bad sign. Um, and he was good. So, you know, um, we, we can't I, – I wouldn't put my money down on the table for him being a perennial all-star at this point, but it's like – the, we don't have very many signs so far, but the ones we have, he, you know, hey, great, he's looking good and looks like a rotation player. And and and, um, and maybe if Marcus Morris doesn't work out uh, playing full time small forward, uh, we got a little insurance policy. We've got some upside there that maybe there's a chance he could, you know, step in a little more later in the season. Well, and it's, I, I think he it's it's also promising that from the beginning he could, you know, get play minutes as a backup from the beginning and start developing and have us get excited about him. Not have to, not have to be like, we wait till the second half for them to get any minutes. Uh, you know, he also could play the two I and mean, he's definitely not a one, but he, he could play the two behind <coughs> KCP or if, you know, if Jody Meeks isn't playing well. Uh, and if we want to go really big, uh, a really big lineup and he's playing the two along with Marcus Morris and, and Drummond. I mean, that that's it's just the versatility there is exciting. Uh, and you mentioned last episode that among even the three players, uh, he's one of the just the biggest, like weight wise, like at two forty five. There's hardly anyone who's as big as him. Like maybe like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are, are like way more than him at that at that. So that yeah. and that kind of passes like that. Like when he's when you see him playing in the preseason or in the summer league against NBA caliber athletes, he's just just playing with confidence and in a solid position, not getting pushed around at all. And, yeah, I think being strong enough is one of the skills you need to come in and, and um, a lot it's it's part of what holds rookies back is they're just not physically developed enough to uh, for part of what they need to do you know fighting for position and stuff like that but let's not get carried away I mean yeah when I mean, rookies he is a rookie, don't, don't so. play or, or when rookies don't contribute much it's not always because like they need to work on their shot more or they need to lift weights more that both though that can be part of it it's also because like you know it's really complicated to play NBA defense and the guys you're playing against are like every guy is like the best guy you played against in college and so you know um, he's probably if he's contributing a lot um, we're probably not making a deep playoff run you know just again rookies have a lot of trouble assimilating to the the speed of the league and the complicated offenses and defenses. But nevertheless, it's like, we, it looks like we got a guy who's going to be on the roster for a long time here. Um, you know, it's not, not so much for like, he personally is going to add five wins to our total this year, but it's just like, looks like we, you know, we can't too early to say if we hit a home run with that draft pick, but you know, I, we made solid contact and probably got on base with this one. And, and you know, you don't do that with every single draft yeah, pick, and, as, and, as we know here in Detroit. And, and, <coughs> Darko Milicic. <laughs> and if we're playing 
kind of more of a partisan game. Like, Justice Winslow hasn't been playing particularly well in his preseason games. I just took a peek. I mean, he, he's playing, you know, he's, he's behind, I think, Dwayne Wade. or, or So it's a little bit different situation. But, uh, yeah, he's, like, shot two for nine in his first game. And so uh, it's, it feels good to, to have not already have it look like, you know, proven the national pundits right that we should have taken him. Uh, I, I feel really good about him. I'm, I'm happy with that. Another guy who's looked good uh, a little bit is KCP, shot shooting well. From the, he shot seven for nine, three in the first game. I mean, and that was on the road. And I think his big test this year is can he play on the road as well as he had he did at home. Uh, and if he if he can, then he's going to be a really solid starting two uh, and and really key to our offense where we really need. Every play, every per, every person besides Drummond to be able to sh- to make an open three and to shoot three as well. So, uh, just a couple of good signs there. Yeah, I I think we I always felt good about K, uh, KCP's long term prospects just because he's already gotten so much experience. He's played a lot of minutes. We've asked him to guard the other team's decent players for a while. Um, he you know gets in situations where he gets to take a good shot a lot, and he's missed a lot of them. But he has that pedigree of being a big-time scorer in college, and it seems like he'll come around there and be an adequate scorer, at least to um, be dangerous enough that you have to guard him, which will allow him to stay on the floor and contribute on defense. And, you know, he he is, I think, 22 this year. I mean, he's really young. He could He could have two or three more years where he gets moderately to significantly better every year, and this could be one of those years, so... I mean, it, it wouldn't be too hard to look around the league and get a guy an upgrade at that position from a win-now standpoint. But, you know, he, he really looks like a, a solid part of our core going forward. Like, he, um, probably more than anybody, he and Stanley Johnson are the guys who are going to age and hit their peaks right along when Andre Drummond does. Whereas, you know, Reggie Jackson is in his peak right now. And it, his peak might last for a few years, but, like, you know, he's, he's 26 this year, um, and he kind of is what he is. Of course, we don't know what he is because he's never been a full-time starter for a whole year. So we'll find that out. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm glad KCP's looked good because it was really surprising that he was a pretty low percentage shooter last year. Um, you know, what? one thing you mentioned um, was it looks like we're going to have a lot of shooters on the floor. Um, you know, we're... Uh, one of the things we did with roster building that we talked about in, in past episode or two is, you know, it's, it's clear what our vision is. It's to have uh, a pick and roll based attack with, you, you know, guys who can shoot and possibly pass and make make an intelligent play surrounding them so that they, you know, the help defense can't, uh, you know, sag too much into the lane. And so we got a Reggie Jackson, for all his strength, all his weaknesses, he really is an excellent pick and roll ball handler. He had a lot of assists off of those, and and so forth. And Andre Drummond is one of the most dangerous pick and roll threats and alley oop threats in the league. And I just looked up um, in preparation for this, um, the top two guys at at our point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward position. They all last year made you know thirty four, thirty five, thirty six percent of their threes last year. Ilya Sova made 39%. And, you know, you could do it differently. You could look at their career averages or whatever. 
the the league average last year was thirty five percent. So they basically all shot around the league average for the whole league at um, at threes. And you know you could imagine that being the the foundation for if they're getting a lot more open looks because of the dangerous pick and roll attack. Um, you know, their percentages could go up. And and anyway, they're good enough so that you would not call any of them a non-shooter. Reggie Jackson was the weakest. He hit a little under 34% for us, and that was uh, pretty good for him. It's going to be a big year for him on that. But you can kind of just see, like, we've spent the last year just getting organized and setting up the dominoes, and it, it could just all fall into place with pick-and-roll point guard, pick-and-roll center, and, at, you know, at least decent shooters all around. Yeah, you, know, and, you, you can kind of see what we're trying to do, and, and I like that. Yeah, and, and one of the biggest swaps was, uh, or one of the biggest switches was losing Moose. Uh, you know, having two guys who were down low crowding each other a little bit for uh, Ilasova, who's a little bit past his prime, but he's a he can be a very good outside shooter. Uh, and Anthony Tolliver is his backup, and and there were times last year where it almost seemed like when Tolliver was playing, it, it felt a little bit more dynamic. Even though you know um, Monroe is a very good player, so it'll be interesting to see can we can we lose essentially our best offensive player and, and more than make up for it by having Reggie Jackson, who is confident at attacking the rim and having that sort of cleaner pick and roll threat. Um, yeah, absolutely. And for you know for Ilyasova, the the reason he's important is not so much that he's so awesome. Um, he, he's past his prime, but he's still like. He, it's going to be a few years till he's old and starts getting worse. He had like a like a concussion or something the last couple of years. One of those injuries where you never really know when it's gone away, and he was having these mysterious struggles. He he, he could really be bad this year, or you know, go back to his career peak. I mean, it, it's it's really all over the map. But the why he's important again is is not so much that he's going to be an all star. It's that he's the the power forward, so his man is the guy who could. Um, do the most to gum up the works on our pick and roll attack. The power forward rotating over and being a big guy protecting the rim. If he's got to be out making sure he's staying, you know, within a few steps of Ilyasova or Ilyasova will hit a three, um, that's really just opens up the floor. That's the modern NBA offense is, um, you know, putting pressure on the, on the, on the defense with a rim attack and then just having guys open on the, on the outside. And then, the defense tries to sprint and recover, and you start passing around. And if all goes well, you look like the Hawks or the Spurs, and it looks beautiful. You know, if you're the Pistons, you just hope that that first pass goes out to a guy who shoots it, and that's going to be above average. Um, so Ilyasova is, is just really crucial. But we have a little insurance with Marcus Morris. Um, he's kind of a big small forward or a small power forward. He's going to start at small forward, it looks like, but he can play a lot of minutes there, too, if, if Johnson – ends up looking good at the small forward or if we want to go with three guard lineups. And he's a, you know, an adequate three point shooter as well. He had 36% last year, one little tick above league average. Yeah. He, he hit a close to half quarter uh, in the second preseason game. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's just sort of an aside. It's pretty funny. So anyway, it's, it, as we've said before, it's it just, you know, you, you see what we're trying to do. We've got a plan. We're executing it. We're not just doing this sort of nebulous, like let's just accumulate talent and hope something good happens. Like we're we we have, we have a plan and we're trying to work our plan. Um, and so, you know, let, let's talk about 
what other people are saying about how good we're going to be this year. I think the ESPN.com had their um, preseason power rankings. I think the Mark Stein power rankings, and they had us, you know, below average and more relevant for us making the playoffs. They had us as the ninth best team in the East, um, which. You know, you may recall there are eight playoff teams in any given year. Boston has gotten significantly better, and, um, you know, Toronto didn't really get worse, and Washington's looking good and all this stuff. So it looks like we're really going to be fighting to make the playoffs, even though we've gotten better because other teams have gotten better too. Um, and then, the you know, 538.com, Nate Silver's site, um, you know, had a, have their uh, hilariously named Carmelo rankings it's all caps I, I wanted i wanted to make a competitor projection called the debrickashaw projection system just to just to compete for awesome names but you know they they say we're going to win 38 games with their this year out of 82 with their projection that's about good enough to be the ninth best team in the east um that's that's pretty that's pretty lukewarm you know weak tea uh not exciting type of situation. I, I think. I mean, I uh, think what, what do you think fair. about those? I, I think that's fair. For, uh, if you're being completely objective and not trying to look, I mean, look for the upside. Like, I would not be surprised if that's where we ended up. I would be disappointed, but I would not be surprised. Now, I, I would say that our upside swings beyond that, and that's what I'm excited about. Uh, so, so for instance, who does that ESPN has ahead of us? Uh, they have. In the East, they have Washington, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, Cleveland, uh, and Cleveland. So you know, if you if you look at each of those in turn, and you're like, the one that raises an eyebrow a little bit to me is Boston. I, I don't know as much about them. Uh, they got they got David Lee and Amir Johnson this yeah. offseason. Um, and then Marcus Smart is gonna, not going to be a rookie, and he could be better. And they got Isaiah Thomas, but I don't know. It's like. That's not a real exciting team to me. Like, I, it, we, they're really the one we should have our sights on. And I also think. Milwaukee. I mean, we just blew them out. And I mean, it's a preseason game, but I, I don't think. I mean, they're still extremely young, and I almost feel like they played beyond their potential to, to be five hundred last year, and we played way below our potential to be thirty-two and fifty last year. So, I, I mean, I, I would almost say we are. We're basically. Uh, if, if you took two expected teams and, and they had an expectedly good year and we had an unexpectedly bad year, I, I honestly think that we're kind of similar. And I would not, I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that we should be expected to be better than them. But as a Pistons fan, I'm, I, ha, I have my sights on them as well. Yeah, they're a really interesting team. Where, like you said, they they might have played above themselves last year, or they might just be decently good. Um, Jason Kidd might be, you know, a really good coach. Um, there is this inconvenient fact that they took one of our best players and signed him and put him on their team uh, with yeah, Greg Monroe. But and everyone's really excited about Giannis Antetokounmpo because um, he's so young and you know athletic and tall and so forth. But um, and and also Jabari Parker, one of the top few lottery picks, who was supposed to be a contributor for them last year. Um, Torres, I think ACL and was out for the year, so they're getting him back. But um, when you look at, at them, they, they really are just a funky, strange team. Last year they got by on having a bunch of really um, 
freakishly long-armed athletes swarming on defense and switching everything, like Michael Carter-Williams and Abdul Kumbo and, and stuff. Um, and and they, they really were awesome on defense and bad on offense because they didn't have enough floor spacing. Only Chris Middleton could shoot, basically. Well, this year they're adding some better players, Greg Monroe, Jabari Parker, but those are two guys who are not that great on defense, and neither of them can really you know stretch the floor that much. So it's almost it's almost like they're a um, a case study to compare with us. Where I've been making a big deal, perhaps overly hopefully, about oh look, you know we're we're kind of going sideways and growing internally in terms of talent, adding a few veterans here and there. But gosh, all the pieces are going to fit together now, and it's going to unlock this like great achievement. And they're doing the opposite. They're 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 adding all this talent. They've got you know you look at the names on their roster and. They're, they're guys who seem like they would contribute to our team. But the, but it's hard to see how they fit together, and they're a funky team, and they're going away from their only strength last year, defense, and they're adding some yeah, good offensive added. players but not guys that can't shoot. So, it, it'll th- I mean, that's another team that could either be, like, second in the East or could be fighting with us for that last playoff spot, and it's hard and, to tell. And, and Toronto, too. I mean, I, I'm not – they look so bad the second half of last season that I'm – as a – you know, they're, they're within the sights of a of – a, of a, of a Pistons fan, I think. Um, I, I don't think the Cavs obviously are. I don't think the Hawks are. But you know, the Bulls. The Bulls um, but but I, I think that there's no reason to think that we're not in the mix for the for the playoffs. Um, we're in the mix, absolutely. Yeah. But we're but we're in the mix is for for that last playoff spot is not like you know you don't w- wait overnight for season tickets for <laughs> for that. But uh, yeah. It, that uh, it'll be interesting to see this um, how their the five thirty eight dot com projections do. You know they have it sure looks slick. They have graphs projecting every single player like five or six years into the future based on all their statistical what's and stuff like that. And it's interesting because that's the type of thing where a, a much less sophisticated version of that is something that people like you and I would try to do on our own, just on like a back of the envelope basis or for one player. And they've really just like crunched all the numbers and have all the, you know, they're bringing the, the baseball prospectus type of mentality to basketball, which is what you would expect from Nate Silver's site. And, um, it'll, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how well they do. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting to see how they attack that problem and the, the way that I, I didn't really know much about the way they've done it for baseball, but they do it based on a player similarity. Uh, scores. They, they look at their weighted average over the of stats of the past three seasons and find similar players and then project based on that. And it seems like a reasonable way, but when you drill down, um, some players, they show the top ten most similar players. And, for instance, um, I remember looking at Andre Drummond, and like the the the, the most similar player had like it had like an 18% similarity. Uh, where, yeah. so, so, I mean, I think in some cases it just, it just you might not actually have someone who's a lot like that person. Uh, that to, to project based on. Um, that said, it was still really interesting, and I, I jotted down the like last year versus this year for everybody. Uh, they actually are projecting Reggie Jackson to be worse this year than last year. Interestingly, obviously, Pistons fans are projecting the opposite. <laughs> Pistons fans are hoping he'll, he'll have a breakout season and, and be a proven starter. I mean, again, again, he, the what he's got going for him is he is good at running the pick and roll, and he's being put with Andre Drummond and. Better shooters than last year, so it's like, you know, yeah, and, if you're going to make a plan, this is the plan to make to have him have success. Yeah, and it, and it takes nothing into account about fit with roster or 
coach or anything else. So, of course, we, we hope that by looking deeply into SVG's vision, like we can see a, a brighter future. And I think there's there's something to that. If we if if, if we hadn't hired SVG and we were kind of just like stumbling along as we had been for the past decade before now, I, I would not be very. Uh, very optimistic. The reason I am a little bit optimistic is because we actually had signs of brilliance last year, and SVG has seems to have uh, a really good plan. And, and uh, you know, a really good coach matters, uh, I think. And so, um, that, that you know, to me, that's why I think it's, this, it's the no BS way why a Pistons fan could be a little bit optimistic. And and, and so let's talk about some other reasons why you know we have some upside here where okay fine there's this sort of our expected scenario our median middle projection here is you know we're in the mix for the final playoff spot but like how could we be better than that well one thing is it's just really unknown how good Andre Drummond is going to be he could he could continue along and produce at about the same level he is now for the rest of his career and just sort of never get it but the last half of last season he was nearing all-star caliber production. He he was he had um, you know his usage rate was above twenty. You know it was like twenty one, twenty two ish. That's not great, but you're you're more than pulling your weight, and a and a star player needs to do that as a minimum. And his efficiency was you know close to one ten. So that's not definite all-star but it's it's something where you're in the conversation especially if you're great on defense that's just the last you know 40 to 60 games depending on how you count them you know if you if you take the last half of the season and look at his kind of per 36 minutes stats which is a standard way of saying if he's a starter and plays a lot you know you can talk about whether that's realistic for a big man who you know they get tired banging with people but it was like 17.16 rebounds I mean, and so that's, you know, you, he, he's young. He could get, he could just make a leap out of the blue. So that's one of the things where we really could get better. And, and it's, it's not guaranteed, but it's just definitely possible. It's one of those things where we're, I'm glad we have some money on that, that bet. Cause that one could pay off. Yeah. And Drummond last year uh, in the first half of the season almost looked the exact same or even a little bit worse than the previous year. Uh, almost because, like, last year he was trying to figure out, okay, how can I go from a promising elite athlete to someone who's accounted on as a starter and, and really to do things? And he was trying to develop a little bit of offense, um, uh, and he was trying to and, – and, and people were paying attention to him. Now people realize, hey, this guy's good. Let's follow him because he's a terrible free throw shooter, and that became a liability for him. It still is. Uh, so, you know, he actually has to show up and, and really deliver. Uh, but, there, like, as you said, there were signs of that, which is exciting. I also feel like our roster is just a lot deeper this year. Um, last year, our point guard position, we had Jennings, and then we had – who was our backup? Oh, oh, DJ Augustine. Yeah, DJ Augustine. So last year, we, we had, like, two undersized but frisky, pretty good offensive point guards. And then the second half of the season, we, we really uh, didn't have much um, at once, especially in the gap between getting Reggie. When uh, Jennings got injured, Jennings but, got hurt. Yeah. But, so, but now Jennings Jennings could come back at ninety percent and be a backup point guard, and how you know that'd be a pretty good luxury. To, you know, that's a, a kind of a better potentially instead of him struggling to prove that he's a starting caliber point guard, which was sort of he, he kind of bounced back and forth between being worthy of that and not. He could be a very solid backup. Um, having um, Aaron Baines as a as our backup center 
is a is an upgrade, uh, and he's a, he's a ninety percent free throw shooter, by the way. So if we ever have Hacka Drummond coming yeah. in, it's, it's not as much of a liability to have him go in and, and play some minutes. Right, and, and it's not like we have our only other option is Joel Anthony, who's still on the roster and can still is still good at rim protection and defense, but he plays offense like he doesn't have fingers on his hands. I mean, it's just like you pass it to him and he just fumbles it until the other team steals it. Baines is a skilled player who can hit an open jumper. You know, can um, like you said, good free throw shooter, big body. You know, can play tough. Played in the Spurs system and got minutes, and was a very good offensive rebounder there. So he could really fit in and play some key minutes. Um, and when he's on the floor, our offense could turn to pick and pop with uh, Jackson trying to run pick and roll with someone who can shoot like Morris or Ilyasova. And then Baines is there if he gets if they pass it to him, he can hit an open jumper. He fits in nicely, is what, I, what I'm saying. And I completely agree with you. We just we have a little more depth. It's not so much that like all of our starters are suddenly all stars. It's it's that we we really aren't going to be playing any terrible players at, at all this year. Yeah. Whereas last year there were times where we really did. I mean, I felt like it was very shaky sometimes coming. Um, yeah, or, or we had some guys who were um, only not terrible at one end of the floor. Yeah. Meaning, like Jennings was not terrible on offense, uh, but it, he was terrible on defense even though he had improved um so you know it, you know that's hopeful that's one of the positive stories another thing is you know um team defense is one of those things where these projections and these metrics and you know my little back the envelope method using win scores absolutely captures nothing about um the same the same core is together and the the players can all you know, guard their man reasonably, and we have a scheme we've used for two years in a row. And team defense can click, especially if um, Drummond makes a leap, um, sort of mentally on defense, where he's he's been putting up good shot blocking numbers and so forth. But our defense has not been better when he's on the floor thus far in his career. But a guy with his um, uh, athletic ability and his shot blocking ability and his rebounding ability has the potential to be an incredible defender. Uh, I, I, I keep bringing up how Stan Van Gundy's last great team, the Dwight Howard Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard single-handedly uh, made Orlando an elite defense just by being a beast. I don't think Drummond will ever have the instincts Howard does, but he's taller, has longer arms, and is you know potentially more explosive or similarly explosive to Dwight Howard, I, I should say, similar rebounding capability, and um, so that's a that's kind of a bet that we have some money on that could pay off as well. Is we, we things could just click both in Andre Drummond's mind and understanding what his role is, and just in the team concept and not having any terrible defenders on the floor. Yeah, and, and we're we're not undersized at any, as much uh, in any position. I mean. Also, yes. Reggie Jackson is a is, he's not huge, but he's bigger. Uh, uh, Dinwiddie is a backup. He's also a pretty he, he has the size to be a decent defender. So again, it's, it's just not having any holes. And I think when you, a lot of teams now, really good teams, you see it's not so much that they uh, sometimes it's they have three, like three amazing players or two all stars, but a lot of times they just look good even when their their bench is playing or, or you know uh, they don't they don't uh, get hurt as badly when their when their starters are off the floor. So. But that's I think that's exciting too. Yeah, it, like you said, we we um, 
we have good size at every position. We, yeah, our small forwards could all, can all like switch to power forward. Um, if, if they need to, having that flexibility is part of what made Milwaukee a great defense last year. We don't have the like six foot 10 freakishly long arms guys that Milwaukee had, but it's just, you know, we were a below average defense last year and it, it wouldn't be surprising if something clicks and we're an above average defense. And it's not impossible that we could be a, a, a very good defense if, if Andre Drummond, you know, eats a spin, he eats his spinach, eats his Wheaties. To, We'll go from Popeye to Michael Jordan there. Um, there's one other thing, you know, we could be better than expected is, is again, just mentioning the, we have a roster built to play a certain way on offense in a way that we haven't had before. We don't have any non-shooters. We're not going to clog the lane. We have a, a great pick and roll point guard and a great pick and roll center. So that's another way where um, we could make a, a leap to another level just from um, compared to just what everybody's stats say from the, their past career. Like the, the whole really could be better, bigger than the sum of the parts. You know, I, I wouldn't bet my life on it, but it's like, that, that's a, that's a real possibility. And so that's something we can look for and something I'm going to be watching more closely for uh, in the few remaining preseason games over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And on that note, why don't we just call this one a wrap? And we're planning on recording another one in two weeks where we will make our official Brozane prediction for number of wins and we can really round, go through the roster comprehensively and, and, and get excited for the season. Uh, even just talking to you now, I'm feeling, I'm feeling more optimistic again. you got to <laughs> inject yourself with some Brozane Pistons optimism every couple of weeks. <laughs> That's right. C- careful optimism with five footnotes and hemming and hawing, but like, uh, I think we talked ourselves into feeling okay. At least there's reason to believe we we could uh, be be good this year and you know worth watching. Yeah, I've been yeah, saying it every year. This is the year. And it'll have a lot. It'll be a lot more fun when we have more tangible things to talk about. I mean, the, the off season is just so there's so long, so much time to just to just uh, speculate and talk about potential trades happening and stuff. And it's, it's a lot more fun just to see how things are coming together. Uh, we we have a clear idea of what to look for, but uh, I, I can't wait to just actually be able to watch some games. And not, and not having it streaming over some crappy site and having it cut out every five minutes like it has been for the preseason games. So, yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you in a couple weeks.